We're turning to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews 12. We're in a series uh, through this chapter called actually Running the Race. And throughout Hebrews 12, the, 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 the writer uses the allusion to the Christian life as a race and what we need to do to, uh, uh, to be successful in running our race. And our text today gives some key instructions of how we can do that. So again, Hebrews 12, and uh, if you're able, stand with me and we'll read our text together. And we'll read verses 15, 16, and 17. 15 through 17 of Hebrews 12. If you have it, read it out loud with me. Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled, lest there be any fornicator or profane person as Esau, who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright. For ye know how that afterward, when he would have inherited the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no place of repentance, though he sought it carefully with tears." We're going to spend the most time in verse, that very first verse, verse 15, looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness spring up trouble in you, and thereby many be defiled. The title of the message today um, is a pay attention. Pay attention. Lord, we ask for your help today. We need you to show us what we need to see in the word of God so we can act upon it. I pray that you'd help me to be completely filled up with your Holy Spirit and, and yielded to you. I pray that you'd help all of us uh, to be open to what the Spirit would have us to do in response to this message. And I pray it in the name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated, looking diligently, those first two words of verse 15 means uh, to beware, take the oversight and pay close attention, thus the title of the message. The Lord says, don't miss these instructions here, Christians, pay attention. I thought about walking up in an attic that doesn't have a, a ceiling. I mean, doesn't have, it doesn't have a floor underneath it. And uh, so you have to be very careful where you walk in that attic. You have to pay attention to every step you take, because if you don't, you're going to end up going through the uh, 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 ceiling, the sheetrock ceiling typically, below you. Has anybody ever done that before? Okay, so you one, two, three. Okay, at least three of you have experienced it before. Thankfully, I haven't done it. We have lived in a couple of houses where you could see where somebody did that before. You know, yeah, I could see them where they, where they, they went to the ceiling there. They, they, they tried to patch it, but you could tell that that had, had happened. Well, there's a, a lot of things in life like that. 
you have to pay close attention lest you come across something that isn't safe, that is dangerous, that is just bad for you. So the writer here of Hebrews 12 wants us to be sure that we look diligently or pay close attention to the things that he addresses regarding a grace, I mean, also bitterness. If you carefully pay attention, you can experience God's wonderful grace and avoid the sin of also bitterness. So number one today, we'll get right into uh, the crux of the message. Experience God's grace. Experience God's grace. Again, back in verse 15, look diligently. Uh, pay attention, folks. Lest any man fail of the grace of God. This word a fail uh, means to... I'm going to fall short. This verse isn't talking about losing your salvation, as some uh, may think, but about never having attained it in the first place. It's impossible for you to lose something that is eternal. The Bible tells us over and over that God's gift of salvation is eternal life or everlasting life. It has no possible end. In Titus 1 verse 2, it says, In hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. God gave many promises that guarantee your eternal security once you are saved. And he would not and cannot lie. Christ says in Matthew 5, 24, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my words and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. The one who believes on Jesus Christ for salvation has everlasting life and shall not be condemned eternally. Look diligently to be sure that you have this grace of God. Grace refers to the, the gift of God, which is salvation. Webster's defines grace. I'm going to say unmerited love. of an also favor of God toward men. Unmerited love and favor of God toward men. You've done nothing to deserve God's grace, and neither have I. You could never earn his salvation, and neither could I. His love and gift of eternal life is completely undeserved. On our part, I'd like to illustrate grace uh, this morning in, 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 in maybe a way that you can remember or, or see. B Brother Matt, would you put your Bible down? Come up here for a second. 
I want to use you to help in this illustration. Now, this isn't anything that we planned or prearranged. He didn't know I was going to call him, him up here or anything. But I'm thankful for Brother Matt, uh, him and his wife, the two older kids joining the church just last Sunday. And then immediately, I was going to tell you this earlier, Brother Stephen is sick today and he's speaking really, really low. And he said he can hardly even speak now. So he's home, hopefully recovering, pray for him. So we asked Brother Matt to, to lead the singing today. Appreciate him doing that and the whole family singing. That is such a, a blessing as well. But while the, the, the Carlsons are here in, in Texas, that they moved from Minnesota, they only have one vehicle here. It's a, it's a, a big van to, to, to transport all their, their family. Um, and you have a 16-year-old son. He's, he's here, and he's, he's, he's driving. He doesn't have his license yet, but he's driving, learn how to drive. They have a daughter not too far behind um, as well, who I don't know if she's driving yet, but she's old enough to, to start to learn soon, at, at least. Um, and right here in the church property this morning, I have I'm an old Ford pickup truck that I bought uh, this past week from one of our church members. I'm in cash. Now, Brother Matt, I, I'd, I'd like to give you that old Ford <laughs> pickup truck. And, I mean, you're going to be responsible for any tags, title, maintenance. It doesn't even have an ins inspection sticker on it. Um, the... A tires are the tires are kind of smooth as well, to be honest Perfect. with you there. Um, but 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 this is this is, is is grace. Grace is giving something that someone doesn't deserve. Do you deserve this this gift of a pickup truck? No. Um, have you have you earned it? Have have you worked for me? So I say, hey, you know what, brother man, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you this truck because you worked for it. No. Okay. And have you given me any, any money to, to pay for this truck? Because if, if you did, it wouldn't be grace, right? So grace is just, okay, grace, I want to give you this pickup truck. It, it's not going to like really meet the needs of your family per se. The, it's, it's a single cab, not even an extended cab. So all the kids aren't going to fit in, in, this, in, the, in the cab of this truck. But it's the best I could do. And, and I would, would like to uh, give this illustration of grace to the church and give you this truck. So this morning, I have in my pocket, not the keys to this truck, but I have the truck itself. No, that's my a key fob. Um, here it is right here, an old Ford pickup truck. And it, it, it looks nice. It got a good paint job. It is a cool truck, and Matt, this is my gift to you. Do with it as you please. You can, you can sell it. You can give it away. You can drive it around as much as you want. Uh, that's for you, brother. Awesome. Okay, cool. great. I might re-gift it. Sometimes. Thank you. And you can. You can re-gift it. You can do whatever you want with it. It's, it's yours. It's yours. Now, I did, I, I did send them a text last night and just let them know, don't take everything I do seriously. 
because um, I didn't want to get their hopes up too much up, up here. So I, 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 I didn't tell them what I was doing or anything, but I wanted to kind of prepare them so that they wouldn't be like, oh, we got a truck. <laughs> we, we got a truck. Um, but, 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 but truly, it's the best I can do. I, I paid cash money for it. Um, I, I, I got a pretty good deal on it. Um, but um, anyways, that is an example of, of grace. If you would now turn to Titus chapter 2. Titus 2, because we see some more about grace here. Hold your spot there in uh, Hebrews 12. I just don't play with it during church, please, uh, brother. You can, you can play that after church as much as you want, but in, down the aisle, whatever, I don't care, but uh, just not during the service. In Titus 2, uh, beginning in verse 11, this, this is a, a great passage. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from all iniquity, and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. So it's God's grace that brings you salvation. Nobody deserves it. Yet it's available to all men, as that verse states. Jesus Christ willingly gave his life so that you might have everlasting life. There is a false a teaching that's going around in some churches, it's known, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just a radical grace. A radical grace has the attitude that because of God's grace, you can do what you want and how you want since you have liberty in Christ. Well, that's not what we learned from that, those verses we just read in Titus 2. True grace from God's word is, is much, much different than that. True grace teaches that you deny ungodliness and worldly lust. You don't do what you want to do, and you live soberly, righteously, and godly in this world. True grace will transform you into the image of Christ, not into the image of this world. That's a good place to say amen. It'll compel you to uh, be more like your holy God and to compel you to put away your sin. God's grace is at work in your life, not only to compel you to live a godly lifestyle, but to uh, give you spiritual maturity and give you a love uh, towards those who are not uh, yet spiritually mature. Because of God's grace, we're called to be zealous of good works, have a godly zeal to do good, to do right, to serve your Lord. But those things aren't a part of your salvation. So but back in our text in Hebrews 12, it says again, looking diligently, 
lest any man fail of the grace of God. Now, God's grace doesn't fail you, but you can fail to depend upon his grace. So examine yourself carefully to see whether or not you have experienced God's grace for salvation. A person can come to church week after week, whether it's this church or some other church, and never accept God's grace. Lest any fail of the grace of God. Again, that word fail means false sort. Namely, through a laziness, I'm in running. Again, this, this whole chapter talks about running the race of life uh, that we have as Christians. And the image is, is of a group of runners that are, are running this race together, but one is lagging behind and eventually lagging so far behind, he never even completes the race. Then our, our text goes on to give the example of Esau, who fell short. Verse 17 says he found no place of repentance, though he sought it carefully with tears. It doesn't mean that Esau was trying to repent of his sin and was not able to do so. All he really cared about was the blessing. He shed tears, not of repentance, but tears of regret because he missed out on the blessing that he wanted to have. Even though Esau sought the blessings of his father and ultimately the blessings of God with tears, there was no true repentance in this man's heart. All he wanted was the blessings and benefits that he could enjoy just like many people today, including many people in churches today. They're only interested in what they can get, what they can receive, how they can be blessed instead of being the blessing. So you're warned to pay attention. Don't be like Esau who despised his birthright and thus lost the blessing. Some people don't really care about being a, 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 a Christian but they want the blessings of, of Christianity or the, the blessings of, 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 of being in church. They want to live in a land that was founded on Christian principles and they want to enjoy the freedoms that we have because of it. But they don't want to submit themselves to God. They have no intention of repenting of their sin and receiving God's grace. Thus, they're missing out on the blessings of the Christian life, the abundant Christian life right here on earth. And they will eventually miss out on the blessings of an eternity in heaven with God. They won't know the joy and peace and other blessings that come from obedience to our Lord. So don't fall short of his wonderful grace. 2 Corinthians 6, 1 says, Receive not the grace of God in vain. Don't receive it in vain. Don't let Christ's suffering and death for you be in vain. Accept his grace. Receive his salvation. 
Then if you would, look with me over to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. When, when we get done with Ephesians 2, we'll go to Ephesians 4. So just hold your place in Ephesians. But without the grace of God, you have no hope of eternal life. Now, these are verses that hopefully many of you know. And if you don't know these verses, let me encourage you to learn these two verses. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For by grace are ye saved through faith. Only by the grace of God can you be saved through faith in His Son, Jesus Christ. There is nothing that you can do to deserve that grace. Nothing you can do to earn that grace. Salvation is a gift, and it must be received as such. No man can boast in his salvation. I'm not saved because I'm a good person. I'm not saved because... I've been baptized or go to church. I'm not saved because I'm a, a pastor or anything else. It's all grace. It's all because of God's wonderful grace. The, uh, one of the hymns that we sang today, matter of fact, the very last hymn that, that we sang says, Marvelous grace of our loving Lord, grace that exceeds our sin and our guilt. Yonder. on Calvary's mount outpoured, there where the blood of the Lamb was spilt. Grace, grace, God's grace, grace that will pardon and cleanse within. Grace, grace, God's grace, grace that is greater than all our sin. And it goes on to say, marvelous, infinite, matchless grace, freely bestowed on all who believe. You who are longing to see his face, will you at this moment his grace receive? God's grace will pardon and cleanse you of your sin. His grace is greater than all your sin. Have you experienced God's grace? Have you humbled yourself? before him and been saved by grace through faith in his son, Jesus Christ. Now pay attention. The writer here says, hey, don't, don't miss these important uh, points in this verse. Number one, experience God's grace. And then number two, don't, don't miss this one either. Beware of that of actually bitterness, beware that you are not bitter. According to Webster's, bitterness is a strong a feeling of hatred, a resentment, or also cynicism. Bitterness grows from a refusal to let go when someone or something is taken from you. Most likely, there are some here today who have refused to let go. Are you holding on to resentment? 
Are you holding on to some offense that someone did against you? It's been said that bitterness um, is loss I'm a frozen in resentment. Bitterness is loss frozen in resentment. Some causes of bitterness include a loss of a relationship, loss of also health, maybe loss of a job, loss of like your reputation or your standing among a people, or loss of also control, if you don't have control. Now, to understand bitterness better, let's answer a few important questions this morning. First of all, to whom um, is bitterness directed? To whom is it directed? Sometimes bitterness is directed towards parents. Children at home or even adult children may be bitter about what they have perceived as unfair rules by their parents. Perhaps also hypocrisy, also favoritism, perhaps divorce in the home. There are also broken promises. And since no parent is perfect, every one of us must beware of bitterness against mom or dad or both. Too often people go through life bitter against their parents, even long after they've left home. They refuse to let go. Bitterness may also be directed to some person due to a friendship that was betrayed, a perhaps hurtful Words. Or even some kind of injustice that was done. Has someone hurt you? That, that's really kind of a rhetorical question. Because if you've lived long enough, I guarantee that you have suffered some hurts because of somebody else. If you choose not to forgive that person, the root of bitterness will begin to grow. Of course, some are not as bitter at other people as they are at God. They shake their fist at God and say, God, why did you make me like this? Or they say, how could a loving God allow this to happen to me? They blame God for their problems and are angry at him. They choose not to believe in the goodness of God that we see over and over and over in the scriptures and allow bitterness to steal their joy. That brings us to our next question. Why should you beware of bitterness? We've already answered to whom is bitterness directed? It could be directed to a lot of different people or even God. But why should you beware then of bitterness? Number one, bitterness 
I'm, I'm, I'm a troubles you. And that's what it says in our text there. Look at verse 15 again of Hebrews 12. Lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you. Bitterness will cause you great trouble. It will make you miserable. And if we had time today, and if you were willing to share with others, there would be many in here who could give testimony and say, yes, I've been bitter, or I used to be bitter, and it caused great trouble for me. It'll keep you from your actual potential. You may become so bothered by the past that you can't fulfill the purpose that God has for you in the present or in the future. You're still focused on what happened before. Bitterness will hold you back and keep you from the good things that God has in store for you. I mean, it's a deadly cancer that destroys you from the inside out. Bitter people hold on to grudges. He hurt my feelings eight years ago. I haven't forgotten. They make harsh criticisms of everyone else and are very skilled at judging the shortcomings of others while ignoring their own faults. They're also troubled by by ungratefulness, ungratefulness. All they can see is the negative things that are, are, are happening in their lives, and they can't bring themselves to thank God in the midst of life's troubles and, and difficulties. First Thessalonians 5.18 says, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. If you're bitter, you're not going to be obedient to that verse, and you're not going to be in the will of God for your life. Those who are a bitter often exhibit I'm mean, like sulking attitude, hostility maybe towards God or towards other people around them, and an un- unwillingness to forgive. No doubt bitterness will indeed trouble you. The fruits of bitterness are not pleasant. Those fruits include um, anger, hate, a revenge, and also malice, which is a desire to harm somebody else. Now look with me over at Ephesians 4. You may be right there already. Ephesians 4 uh, the Apostle Paul instructs in verses 31 and 32, let all, what's that next word? I don't think you're paying attention too well. Um, Ephesians 4, 31, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, 
forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. A bitter person, though, is unforgiving. Yet you have no right to withhold forgiveness considering the great debt which Christ forgave you. Ephesians 4 says to put bitterness away from you. Get rid of it and forgive. Bitterness will surely trouble you. One a definition of bitterness is actually poison. A poison has awful effects on the human body. It can burn the skin and leave blisters, cause blindness, severely damage the mouth and the throat if it's swallowed, cause intense pain, and violent vomiting. It can cause the um, throat to swell uh, so much that it makes breathing difficult. It can damage vital organs, such as the brain and the heart. It can also putrefy the blood and cause a coma or also death. I recommend that you not take poison. But the poison of bitterness can cause that kind of horrible damage to your spirit and your life. Often you can see it on people. Uh, They don't have to say anything. Uh, They might try to disguise it, but you you can just see it on them or as they talk, you can uh, sense that they have this bitterness in their heart and it will eat at you and make your life miserable. Why should you beware of bitterness? Well, first, bitterness troubles you. But number two, bitterness defiles many. Look again at verse 15 of our text in Hebrews 12. Lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. The word defiled in this verse means attainted. I'm also contaminated. And bitterness contaminates not only the one who is bitter, but many others around them. The root of bitterness produces bitter fruit and defiles all who are nearby. It also poisons people by leading them from the goodness of God. And instead, they just feel sorry for themselves. One bitter person can be used by Satan to defile many others. I think of parents who are perhaps bitter. They're not going to be able to fully be a blessing to their children if they have bitterness, nor be the, a sweet, godly testimony that their children need to see in them. And they're going to miss out on some of the joys of parenting and, and grandparenting. A person may even uh, forsake 
uh, their bitterness and, and get things right with the Lord themselves. But that may not be the case with those that they have defiled and contaminated. The devil may use your bitterness to trouble others who begin to question God or leave the church or refuse to get saved. Beware of bitterness, for God will hold you responsible for those you defile. We see bitter, resentful a people damage the peace of the unity and the purity of the church. Perhaps they, they feel slighted because they weren't offered some, some position in the church. Perhaps somebody hurt their feelings uh, uh, somehow. And they make cutting remarks, critical remarks that dampen the work of the Holy Spirit. The church suffers both in purity and in peace due to those who harbor bitterness, which defiles many. You can't keep that all to yourself. It's going to affect other people. A bitter spirit. I'm a, I'm a counselor. Thwart God's working in the hearts of of those who need to get right with him, for those who need to maybe even uh, uh, get saved, like we just mentioned. You will either affect people for good or for evil. In addition, watch out for those who are bitter and keep them at a, a distance, lest you become defiled by their poison. Bitterness troubles you. And it defiles many. A third very important question follows. What is the solution then to bitterness? I mean, perhaps all of us have been bitter at, at some point in time. What's the solution to being bitter? Well, number one, confess your sin to God. Confess it to the Lord. Proverbs 28 13 says, he that confesses his sin shall not, or I'm sorry, he that, I'm actually, covereth his sins shall not prosper. But whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. Don't try to cover up your, 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 your bitterness or, or bury it. That's not going to do you any good. Don't try to deny your sin. I'm not bitter. They just, you just don't understand why or, or what someone did to me. Don't try shifting your blame uh, of your sin. Because of what he did, I have a right to be bitter. No, you choose to be bitter. And bitter is, bitterness is a sin. So acknowledge your wrong. Confess it to God and forsake your bitterness. The only way to freedom in this is to root out the root of bitterness. 
You don't have to hold on to that bitterness any longer. I don't care how many years you've been holding it on and not letting it go. God can forgive and cleanse you. You can prosper by confessing and forsaking bitterness, just like with any other sin. So first, confess it to God. Then, turn with me to Matthew 6. Matthew 6 will be the last passage I'll have you turn to. First, confess your sin to God. And then the a second part of the, of the solution is to... I love that. I love that. I'm going to forgive others. Confess your sin to God. Forgive others is number two. Matthew 6, beginning in verse 14. If ye will forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. If ye forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. People will hurt you in this life, I promise. It is a guarantee. But if you want God's forgiveness, you must forgive others. Forgiveness is surrendering your right to hurt someone who's hurt you. It's letting go. We all experience the consequences of living in a sinful, imperfect world. You've hurt others. They've hurt you. But God hurts when you do. And he holds accountable anyone who may mistreat you. That isn't your responsibility. He died to set you free from the penalty of your sins. You wronged him more than anyone has ever wronged you. Because he forgives you. You have no right to be bitter. Joseph, who we're uh, examining on Sunday evenings, and I'm enjoying uh, 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 learning about him uh, in our series to the book of Genesis. But he's a great example of this very thing. He endured abuse, pain. I'm also betrayal, separation from his family, false accusation, and imprisonment, all resulting from um, his brothers. Now, in spite of that, Joseph trusted God, and he knew that the Lord was going to uh, work in his life, uh, and he trusted God through all those years of suffering. But when their father died, Joseph's brothers thought he would execute revenge upon them. I mean, they deserved it, <laughs> uh, considering uh, what uh, uh, they had done to him. But instead, Joseph proclaimed his forgiveness of their evil without the hint of bitterness. Genesis 50 in verse 20 but as for you, referring to his brothers, ye thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good. Even in the midst of your greatest hurts and losses, 
Your God is at work. He loves you and he can only do good. If bitterness has found a way into your life, confess it to God and forgive those people. You have a choice in adversity. You can get bitter or you can get better. And I pray that you will choose the latter. Look diligently, our text says. Pay attention to this. This is important. You don't, don't, you don't need to miss this here. First, experience God's grace. Nothing is more important in your life than receiving God's grace through the gift of salvation. Neglect it no longer. Today is the day of salvation, God says. Today would be a wonderful day for you to experience the marvelous and matchless grace that God offers through salvation in, by uh, faith in his son, Jesus Christ. Secondly, beware of bitterness. Whether you harbor bitterness toward some person or toward God, it will only trouble you and defile many others. Living with bitterness is an awful way to live. And it's unnecessary. Confess it to the Lord and forgive others, even as God has forgiven you. Let's bow our heads as we prepare for the invitation today. Have you personally experienced the grace of God through his salvation? Is there someone here today with, you need to raise your hand to acknowledge it? You say, Pastor, pray for me. I need to experience God's grace and receive his salvation. Who's like that today? I'm not going to embarrass you, but you say, Pastor, I need to be saved. I need to experience God's grace and, and, and trust in him as my Savior. Then secondly, who would say, a Pastor, I need God's help uh, with this problem of actually bitterness. There's a, a root of bitterness within me. Maybe it's been there for a really long time. Maybe it's been there just a short time. But regardless, you say, Pastor, pray for me. Pray that, that the Lord helps me to deal with bitterness. Who's like that today? Amen. 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 Many hands up. Amen. 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 Lord, you know our needs today. You know all of our needs. You know our, our spiritual needs, of course. And I, I pray for those today who maybe, first of all, need to experience your grace and to be saved. There may be those that are listening or those even in our room who didn't lift the hand, but they're not yet saved. So I pray that you would draw them to yourself. And Lord, may they yield to your call on them and, and trust you as their Savior and experience your wonderful grace. Lord, uh, secondly, I pray for uh, the, uh, the many today in church. Really, I'm kind of surprised how many are, are, are dealing with bitterness. But I, I thank you that they had enough courage to acknowledge it 
And I, I pray that you would indeed help them, that you would show them the steps they need to take, but just that they, they would confess it, first of all, uh, to you. And perhaps th th that they were really even doing that by lifting their hand. But may they go a farther and forgive others. May they let go and not allow this to continue to Uh, trouble them and defile other people around them. Lord, there may be other spiritual needs here today, people that, that need to make a decision for you in some way, and I pray that they would have the courage to do so. Blessed in our invitation, and I pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.